program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness Podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Hello and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest, Deshaun Berry. Now, Deshaun and I met by God-directed Uh, It was just, we met at the airport and we just have been friends ever since when she flew into Utah and I've enjoyed following you on social media and you comment on my stuff and we're just like mama friends who've just been like friends forever. But um, how, how old were your kids when they met? Cause your kids, my kids were all, their kids are huge now. (laughs) Yes. uh, My twins were 10 at the time and then my son was 12. Yeah, and he's like in college. He's uh, 16. He'll be 17 this year. Okay, and so that's the, the other boy that's in college. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, because I'm like, I know you've got a college kid because you're seeing the pictures, and I'm like, Deshaun has one leaving the nest, but I didn't meet him. But, you know, yeah. He actually graduated from college from Bethune-Cookman. There you go. Where what's, Where is that? That's in Daytona Beach, Florida. Ooh, and he graduated. Good for him, because that sounds like one of those party schools. Did he? Did he party? (laughs) (laughs) He he didn't really party like that. You know, he did party a little bit, but not like that, because he was focused on his uh, degree. He wanted a degree in teaching, so teaching music. That is awesome. We need more male teachers. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. Where did, does he have a school he's got his eyes on that he'd like to go be teaching at? Well, he actually he's, he lives in Michigan, but he actually liked to come here to Texas to teach at one of the schools here. Now, when I met, when we met, you were living in Chicago at the time. No, Texas. Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I had you in the wrong place. I knew, I, I, in my mind, you moved to Texas. And I was like, yeah, Texas is less cold. Who wouldn't want to move there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan because Chicago's cold and windy, you know, but not not the right story. So, and at the time you worked for what airline? Do you still work Delta. for Delta? Oh, Delta okay. Airline. And do you still work for them? I do, yes. Yeah. So why haven't you come and visited me more? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, I guess the time just hasn't permitted, but we need to do that. We need to link up. But now your kids are almost, they're gone. And so it's, I won't get a chance to see them. Oh, it's so sad because Elsa, all she has to say is, mom, don't worry, I'll be gone in a year. And I start getting teary. <laughs> like even now my eyes are burning. So it's, it's, uh, she's mean. She's mean saying that, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sad. It's a sad thing, but isn't it wonderful how small our world is and how connected we can be for good if we choose to be on social media because I've been able to see your kids and you've been able to see mine and we mm-hmm. share just an afternoon of friendship but we've been able to to deepen the friendship you know yes yes it's awesome 
Okay. So tell my listeners about my friend, Deshaun. Deshaun. Deshaun was born and raised in Flint, Michigan. I have three sons. Uh, Two of them are grown. One is uh, a junior in uh, high school and I have two daughters. They're twins and uh, they're in the ninth grade this year. And um, I am a veteran of the United States Army. I served eight years and I served during Desert Storm. Um, I worked 12 years at General Motors and now I am 10 and a half years with Delta Airlines. There you go. Thank you for your service. You served, um, um, which, which Desert Storm conflict? Cause there was the one, my husband served before um, 9-11. And so did you serve after or before? Uh, I served before. Okay. So thank you for your service for that. Boy, you're living a full life. You're not 20. I think I keep forgetting that you have grown boys because I just go, wow. And I won't say the kid's name since you haven't outed the names, but I'm like, man, he's getting big. And then it's like, yeah, because I didn't meet him. It's like, they don't exist. <laughs> and I remember taking you and your kids, uh, the three of them up in the mountains and you guys loved it. And even yeah, more so, so Texas, awesome. I was just there. They have no mountains. That, w- that was so awesome. Um, when we met uh, Lita, we had no plan. It was my daughter's uh, 10th birthday and we got off the plane and she just came up to us and what are you doing? And we were like, we don't know. We just came here. Because I think your daughters had crowned Yes, the birthday uh, something. They did. The um, flight attendants made them a birthday crown out of the uh, Biscoff cookies. Right. And so yes. everybody's saying happy birthday to them. And this beautiful lady took us up into the mountains. We didn't know her from uh, anybody. Uh, and she assured us that she would take care of us. And she did just that. <laughs> and the mountains was absolutely awesome. We had never seen that before. So. Now, those, those are stories of how um, people also get um, serial murdered. You know, when you go up into the mountains with a stranger, <laughs> but no, it was, it was a God thing. And if you ever want me to, you know, I mean, you can count on me to comment on the, the thing, you know, I'll be like, Oh, I love your necklace. Oh, I love your, pr- Oh, you have a dog. Oh, they won't let me bring my cat. You know, like, I just love talking to people and these two adorable girls with crowns. I mean, that's like, you've got to comment. You've got to be like your Royal Highness, you know, like you, you've got to recognize that. So I, I just consider that a, a reward to me for having a big mouth to be able to make a new friend. And a lot of this podcast is designed around that concept of just go and talk to people you never know. And we had an adventure that has blessed both of our lives over the last few yes. years because I just go up and talk to people. Mm-hmm. And it's expanded my ability to understand experiences different than mine, which has given me more empathy and love and um, experience through my friends, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So when you were serving, you had little kids when you were in the military. So who you were, you were married then, because I know you're a single lady now, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. So 
Um, can I ask that story or should we not go to that story since it's for everybody? Uh, we could go to that story. Okay. So I actually had uh, my kids, uh, two older kids when I was in the military. Um, one was uh, nine months old and one was four months old. Oh, wow. The, the one that was nine months old, um, I took him, I'm sorry, the one that was four years old, I took him back to Michigan to be with my parents when he was nine months old because I was in Germany. And at that time, we was having alerts and different things like that. And it was like, uh, okay, you have to either take him home or get out of the military. And uh, because I didn't have a babysitter or anything like that. Right. So I ended up taking him back to my parents and um, so I never had to have a babysitter in that aspect. When I had my next son, I ended up getting out of the military um, about um, four months later because I didn't want to be separated from them again. And they were going to send me to uh, Korea for two years. And two years is considered an unaccompanied tour. You right. can't take anyone. And they were too young. So I ended up uh, ending my time in service at that time. Yeah. Well, um, that that's hard to be like, yeah, you know, you have a baby, so you don't want a job or. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was yeah. like, get out and do what? <laughs> yeah. Like I, this is my job, but thank you. And obviously uh, the military is more than a job. It's also a calling. So that's why it's important. We thank those that have chosen to serve and protect our country. So um, what was your job in the military? And in the military world, we call that the MOS, at least in the army. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's all of them, but. Yes, it was a 76 Papa at the time, which was material control and accounting specialist, uh, which means that I was um, supply. So right. I did anything concerning supply, order supplies, maintain everything on the database. Uh, so logistics and supply is a big deal. And we could use more people um, doing that in our world right now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> As a trucker's daughter, I'm kind of like, you can't, you can't ask people to do this very independent job and then tell them they have to have all these restrictions. Right. You're going to lose the people that do that job. Right. You know, but um, important work. And um, what is it that... Um, his name just slipped my mind, but a famous World War II general, he said that wars, wars are won on um, logistics and supply chains. And I'm slaughtering the quote, but basically it's like, if you can't feed and supply your people, you know, the, your military, you're going to lose. And that's yeah, everything. Right. And I think they're seeing that with um, the Ukrainian conflict right now, that mm -hmm. Russia is a much more powerful country than Ukraine but exactly. they are having supply chain issues. So, mm -hmm. uh, oh, the world is crazy, my friend. All yeah. the more reasons you should come visit me and we can go. I go know. Yeah, we got to do it. Come in the summer or fall. And you were here in the fall before. Mm -hmm. Perfect time to go up into the mountains. And we could just do the two of us. You know, we could leave the kids at home because they're big now. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. that'd be great <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that would have been really hard to be away from your kids when they were so little I'm so rant, rant for you on that yeah yeah but it all worked out you know I wouldn't trade that experience for anything right 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, we're all thankful for that. So what took you from um, the military? We know why you went to go work for GM because you had to leave the military to choose to be with your kids. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, women make those sacrifices a lot, you know, to, to be with her. Not that men don't, but you know, there's, it's, it's kind of how we women are wired. Right. Um, right. So you were able to get on with GM mm -hmm. and that was, was that in Flint as well? I uh, started out in Lansing okay. and I co commuted back and forth for two years. And then I transferred to Saginaw and I did that for three years. That's like years. an hour, over an it hour. Is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't know if you know this since we go way back, but I lived in, um, I lived in Lansing area. Okay. So I was a missionary for the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints in East Lansing and um, Grand Rapids specifically was where I was and our mission office was in Lansing. So I, that's why I knew you were like, how does, how does Lita know that? Cause I've been there. I've been there. Um, cold and hot. I was there when it was so cold, people were dying. Mm. And then I got transferred to Arizona and I thought I would die. <laughs> uh, but I got a fungus in my lungs in Michigan. Mm. And then when they transferred me to Arizona, it killed the fungus. Oh, just a side That's effect. You know, oh. did you even know that you'd get a fungus in your lungs? I did not. I didn't either. I didn't either. And evidently it's kind of rare, but you know, it gives me a good story. You know, yeah. Arizona kills all fungus, even <laughs> the fungus, hopefully trying to live in a moist area. Um, so you've spent most of your life in Michigan. You worked mm -hmm. for General Motors. You commuted mm -hmm. for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. with little kids so you're living with yes. your parents I was no I had an apartment uh and at the time my um my older son he always lived with my parents but uh my other son Delonzo he would go to the babysitter when I went to work in Lansing and his babysitter was a family friend who ended up being like family to him so mm -hmm. that's where he gained uh, three sisters uh, who are not his biological sisters, but they're his extended family. Well, sisters. they're they're biological through you. Mm -hmm. Just and they, they took not care the same of dad. Him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, no, they don't have they we don't they don't have the same dad or I'm not their mom. They oh. were uh, family friends, you know, like extended oh. family. Got it. Sorry. When you said sisters, I just automatically envisioned the twins. No, I'm like, oh, no. John, you're all related. <laughs> My mom doesn't have any full siblings. Mm -hmm. And so technically I don't have any full aunt or okay. uncles, but you know, we don't put a distinction between that. Right. You know? Um, okay. So your parents wouldn't give your kid back. How did, was that, was that okay? Well, <laughs> My mom, uh, he's really cute. Had, so I can, she had got so why. attached. She had got so attached to him. It was like, that was her son instead of her grandson. So, you know, I didn't have the heart to just pull him from her. He always knew that this is mom, you know, I always help take care of him and stuff. So, right. so he knew he was know, loved. Yeah. He knew he was loved. But so I didn't I, know you were that soft hearted. I should have just kept your girls. 
yeah yeah good thing good thing i'm finding this out now because i would have just been like you know what deshaun you can just fly back to texas or chicago or wherever and you come visit you got those delta miles or delta perks as being working with them and i could just keep your girls they they loved it here (laughs) yeah they did they did but i was only 20 at the time when i had him so Okay, you know, so you you uh, would not be giving them up. Okay, no, because okay. no. I'm like, man, missed opportunity. <laughs> I I've always said that, um, you know, I you know if I need to get more kids, you know, adopt, steal, you know, that would be like a reason to move to Utah. Mm-hmm. So you know, kids that love Utah, I could steal them, right? And <laughs> now people are going to be like, don't ever go with Lita to the mountains, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm a serial kidnapper. Um, that's an ongoing joke with me. But um, so he was like six or seven when you came back from the military. Uh, he was actually four when I came back. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah four is is hard. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's a uh, that was hard all around. But you got to see him often. It was it was all amicable. You just were super nice because you were only 24. Right. Yeah. But now at the ripe old age of 29, you'd be like, give me back my kid. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Mine. (laughs) No, but I'm sure, I'm sure your parents, uh, you know, it's obvious you guys are still really close and all your kids are doing such a good job and turning out amazing. So you're in grand, you're, excuse me, you're at General Motors in um, Flint, no, in uh, Lansing, Mm -hmm. commuting. Mm-hmm. And you've got this little kid who's staying with family that became family. That's not, mm-hmm. wasn't genetic family. And mm-hmm. how many hours of the day are you gone from your kid? Well, um, I had to leave uh, at probably about, I would say about two o'clock in the day because mm-hmm. I worked second shift at that time. So I had to get on the road to be able to get there by 3.30 and and then I'm coming home like midnight. Wow. So that, and you're that a single was, mom. I'm a single so, mom. Yeah. So good thing that there were people that were there as family too. But that is, how long did you do that? Because you said how many years? Were you I with- did that for two years. And then I transferred to Saginaw. Okay. And Saginaw, Saginaw is like a 30 minute drive. Woo, woo, that's way mm-hmm. better. That's mm-hmm. way better. So you then you got to be around more. And how old yes. was your son at this time? Uh, he was he was about uh, seven at the time. Okay. Now, now um, I was able to get on first shift, so it was a lot different because I was able to see him, you know, more. Like when I got home, I'm able to do dinner and do schoolwork and all of that type of stuff. Yeah. And did you love that part? I did. Yes. Yeah, because yes. I don't love the the schoolwork. you know my my I married a math guy so that they could always take their math homework to dad and it wasn't until they were older that they figured out that I really just don't do math (laughs) you know um so okay so then um uh do you want to tell us about how you how you met the father of the other kids yes so um at that time uh I was living near my cousin, like we lived like probably three doors apart. And she was uh, dating a guy who had a brother. 
<laughs> and I had never seen this brother until, but my son, Delonzo, would always come home and say, Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam. And I was like, who is this Uncle Sam? So I asked my cousin about it. So she said, well, I'll introduce you. So she introduced him to me uh, on Christmas Day, uh, 1999. And uh, <laughs> the rest is history. Uh-huh. And um, how long were you guys together? Uh, we were together until 2004. Uh, I want all these stories to end with, you know, I mean, I know because I know you that you're not, you know, or so you, he's just hiding on social media, you know. <laughs> um, so you guys were together and then you have been um, a single mom mm -hmm. raising four to five kids because you're sharing with your parents mm -hmm. and you could have, you could have only been having to worry about two kids. I mean, cause I could have had two, but missed opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> your girls are like the cutest things ever. They're so cute. And twins. I don't know. It's just like double the cuteness, you know? Yeah. Now, um, uh, another story is I actually only have my daughters right now because uh my son you let someone else take your my yeah, buddy I and did. Not, man yeah. who who Delonzo, the, the my older son oh okay okay and I, I bet that's fun for the boys you know yeah it's rough for me but it, you know it it was necessary uh because he experienced uh unfortunately he experienced racism here Oh. And he, he had never experienced that before. In Texas? Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay. I live in a very white place, as you know, because you've been here, mm -hmm. right? I joke there are like 23 white people. I mean, 23 people that are not white, right? Well, there's a lot of Hispanic and, you know, you can speak Spanish all day long if you want in Utah, which is great because I've been working on that. Mm -hmm. Um but, you know, there's not a lot of people of color. And when I get off the plane in like Dallas, I just smile like an idiot because I love color <laughs> and it just makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. And so it just really surprises me with, you know, I mean, like, I don't know, my, the stigmas in my mind, Georgia, you mm -hmm. know, like I was just in Georgia and I said some things that were really pro don't be racist basically. And this cute black woman pulls me aside. She's like, how do you get away with saying the things you say? And I'm like, I'm charming. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but it just surprises me in Texas because I don't have that in my mind. So do you mind telling us what happened? So when we first moved here, uh, it was wonderful. We lived in uh, Euless, Texas, which is a diverse um, city. And you know, I was always, I always taught my children that people were people. So they never saw color. And um, he had a lot of friends. He was in football. He was in basketball. Um, and everything was wonderful. And we ended up having to move to, um, we had a situation. We had to end up moving with uh, my brother in Highland Park. Highland Park is a um, predominantly, predominantly white area. Uh, so like all of my kids were the only black children in their class. Oh, wow. So you're living in Highland Park, which is um, a bunch of white people that yes. don't understand that they live in a world of diversity. Yes. And every day they were 
going to the principal, telling them, you know, different things about him. And most of the stuff wasn't true, you know, but he he went through that. And uh, honestly, if we would have stayed there, he probably would have ended up in juvenile home or something. Oh, no. Um, he had never been in trouble a day in his life at school. He's, yeah, I, I mean, the afternoon I spent with him, which obviously makes me an authority on his character. He is a tenderhearted, sweet, good young man, mm-hmm. you know, protective and, of his sisters. I mean, just all the good things you want in a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were just like making stuff up and accusing him. And then the administration was um, the administration maker or something the the administration saw him as a troublemaker and I was telling them how he's never been in trouble a day in his life in school but now he comes here and is in trouble every day and so um I started a civil suit and I didn't go through with it but I probably should have um but we ended That's- up moving So, but it's hard as a single mom Mm -hmm. to, to fund those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. That's really sad. And so we um, were in a situation where we had to move from there. Um, uh, To be honest, we were getting evicted. So I ended up having to take him uh, and my daughters to my son, Delonzo in Michigan. And they stayed with him for the summer and I commuted back and forth like every weekend and stuff. I would work, fly back here and I would work and I would stay wherever, you know, in the office or wherever I stayed in a hotel. Single mom, four kids. mm -hmm. Plus you're having to deal with all of this drama being made up by other people, which I'm sure affected your ability, how many hours you could work. I worked a lot of hours because I took the kids to Delonzo for the summer. So what I did is I worked a lot of hours to say I'm saying money. leading up to that. Oh, yes, yes. Leading right. up to that, you know, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, when you say, you know, you, you know, you got evicted. I mean, when you're a single mom without, um, you know, a network of support enough to help with these things. And then people, instead of leaning in to help the single mom put you mm-hmm. in a situation of crisis by judging your kid, which yes. I just like people think about those listening. Think about that kid that you think is the problem and think maybe there's an opportunity to help, mm-hmm. you know, instead of judge. And even if your son was a troublemaker, how much more could a community surrounding be of support instead of, you know, pushing right. a single mom further and further into financial problems. So right. there's my little call to action right there. People be nice, <laughs> nice people. <laughs> so you're commuting back and forth. You can see your kids on the weekend, working as many hours as you can. Mm-hmm. So yes, I will fly back and forth to Michigan. Uh, Cause you're working then- for Delta. So that was, mm-hmm. Free flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so then um, in uh, two months, I was able to save up enough money to be able to get us our own place. And um, so then now uh, he was back in school um, where he used to be, but he was having self-esteem issues of and 
yeah. you know, he, he couldn't shake it. And so uh, he wasn't getting in any more trouble in school at all. They didn't even know his name in the office. Um, but he was getting his grades. His grades have always stayed up. You know, he's always been on the honor roll. But his esteem as far as playing basketball and stuff, hat went down because and you're they not didn't, in Highland Park anymore when you got the new they did right because they didn't let him on because you figured team. that out like mm-hmm. yeah uppity people pants poopers mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then they didn't let him on a basketball team in Highland Park and that was the first time that he had not played basketball his entire life since he was five years old oh so his esteem for basketball was gone and his so, outlet an outlet, which is so helpful for kids to have something that they can excel and do. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So this year I decided to let him go and stay with his brother, Delonzo, so that he can get some um, male uh, brother, um, you know, things from a man that he wasn't getting here with me. And now he's back on the basketball team. He's got his self-esteem back up. And he also is still on the honor roll. So. Yes. And, his, you know, his older brother is, uh, you know, excelling in life and helping him be like, hey, don't let other people label you. Mm-hmm. They're poopy pants, not you. Yes. So, man, I didn't know you were willing to give up your kids to all these people <laughs> who love them. <laughs> I'm like looking for an angle, man. Maybe to come spend a week or so with me, you know, right? Just, just come and have some summertime, you know. Yeah, you go know, to a camp with my daughter or something. I'm like, let's let's think this through. Let's like figure out some fun times we can do with the girls before they before they grow up too much, you know. And they can yeah. be like, this is my auntie. She's really pale, black person you know you know, you know what's everybody. funny is they always uh say hey mom when we're going back to salt lake city remember we were supposed to go camping and right say, yeah, that's what i, I just remember. said they could go camping <laughs> you know so let's make that happen summer's coming you got free flights we can go camping okay 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 there you go because the girls haven't <laughs> I don't know. We, 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 when we get a camp here, there's less bugs than there are in Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It's not quite as hot. So it's actually quite fun and chocolate and s'mores. Okay. So, and if you need me to sign some paperwork after all my jokes that I promised to give your kids back, <laughs> we could, we could do that. <laughs> so I don't know if you know this, Deshaun, but I found out about three, four years ago that my name is the Swahili name. Oh, you know what it means? No. Bring it. Okay. (laughs) And you bring it too. I feel like it was a coming home for me to have my name identify who I really am. Yes. You know, so that was good. And I was thrilled and I joke about this all the time, but I need to find out what my genetics are, but I'm going to be really disappointed if I find out that I really am just a a white (laughs) But I have hope because my husband is 1%, 1% Nigerian and he is as white as they come, as you know. So if he can be 1% Nigerian, I might, you know, I think it was even less than 1%. <laughs> yeah, big shock. He's um, like 51.9% um, German. 
Okay. Yeah. So his family was out before the Nazis happened, but he looks like if you were going to tie to cast him for a movie, you'd put him in as the, the German officer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Okay. So um, I'm so glad to hear that your son is doing better. And I just a little call to action of people to it, you know, the parents coming home, that is, racism to like oh this black kid at school is imagining how that went down they need to be like well why are you why are you talking about it like that and why you know lean in and not just be like oh that's the kid's the problem let's really uh, let's really look at any um uh you know just assumptions we make about people you know mm-hmm. it makes me mad that movies are made depicting people of color as um you know hoodlums mm-hmm. and i could not I just was like, why is this happening? You know, because mm-hmm. everyone, I, you know, having grown up as a child of the West, traveling all over, I judge people by how they treated you, right? you know, and was exposed to different people from all different socioeconomics. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents um, think they're Native American, you know? And so, you know, I, I experienced often being the only not looking native American person in a room. And that was totally fine with me. You know, Mm -hmm. it was great. And so, um, when I started seeing movies where they always depict black people as, um, you know, in a certain light, I, I just feel like we should not support movies like that. Right. Me too. I just, I think we should go to movies of overcoming. And if they are focusing in on depicting a particular group of people badly, then let's not buy tickets. Right. And so I don't buy tickets to those kinds of things when I realized there was a pattern there. Okay. So the girls are still with you yes. and they're not, you guys aren't living in uppity Highland park. No. Anyone from Highland park that's listening, go tell your neighbors not to be poopy pants. <laughs> guys work on that. It mm-hmm. is. So um, the girls are with you. They're thriving. They're doing well. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. What do they want to be when they grow up? Um, I really don't know uh, what they want to be because they change from here to there. They kind of say they want to uh, do K-pop. I don't know if you know what the K-pop is. Have you, speaking of racism, have you let them know that they're not Korean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think they think like, you think you're black, they think they're Korean. They keep telling me when they graduate, they're going to move to Korea. So I don't know how true it is, but. Well, hey, it's good to have dreams. My husband taught um, English in Korea for um, a summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it happened 26 years ago. I don't know if there's a program or something and um, hopefully they're working on their Korean and they can, they can. They are. They are actually uh, self-teaching their self-Korean. <laughs> they well, they're smart it. girls. They are yeah. smart girls and they should come camping with, with Auntie Lita <laughs> and her family this summer. And they can, they can hang out with the gang and have an adventure. And, um, I'll introduce them to my niece that likes K-pop too. We will have to make that happen. Okay, good. And just so you know, you locked it in on my podcast. So I know, I know I locked it in. So. <laughs> Okay. So Deshaun, give me, give me a deep story about you. What is your, 
what is your fire? What makes you click? What, what's your thing? Every morning when I wake up, um, I set my alarm for five o'clock and I get up for five o'clock prayer. And um, after I pray, I always say, Lord, thank you for another day. Help me to help your people with excellence because I'm helping people every day on my job. And I want to put myself in their position. Like if this was me, how would I want someone to help me? Mm. And so that's how I start the day out. Then uh, after that, I have this uh, saying, and uh, I have a couple of things. I have one that says, uh, be all that you can be. I don't own the rights to that because that's from the military. <laughs> so hey, I but if you, you, you lived it for eight years, mm-hmm. might as well. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I've stolen a lot of phrases from the Bible, so it's good. Mm-hmm. And then I have a, uh, another saying, failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong enough. So any situation that I face in life, if I'm having trouble, if I don't care what it is, if I'm having trouble closing the door, I can't rest until I get it done. So I'll repeat that saying until I overcome that challenge that, you know, is facing me. And then my last saying is, if I can help someone as I travel alone, if I can cheer somebody with a word or a song, if I can show someone that they're traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. And I don't own the rights to that song either, but that's how I live my life. I want to help somebody each and every day, you know, whatever I can do, that's how I want my life to be. When I leave here one day, I want people to say that she did all that she could do to help others. Amen. And and so um, the one story that I want to share is a story um, that happened to me um, in 2011 and, um, I had got sick. I had fibroids and the fibroids were so big, like they were affecting my every day. Mm. And so I went to the doctor. Let me just be clear. You were talking about uterine fibroids. Fibroid, right. Correct. Yes. So, so that the, the, the young men in the audience understand Mm -hmm. that this is, take some pain and then squeeze it. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, um, I went to the doctor and she said, um, well, let's do a DNC. She said, uh, maybe that's all we need to do. So she scheduled me for the next day for a DNC. And when I went home, a big fibroid fell in the, in the toilet. Oh, oh, I was, I called her immediately. I said, something's not right. I said, something is happening here. Oh. And she, she said, she said, well, just come uh, tomorrow morning. It'll be okay. So the next morning I went. And not to be from, graphic, but how big? It was like, like ball, it was this. like the size. Yeah. Like the size of a golf ball. Oh, yep. That's gross. And so I went in the next day, they did the DNC, they took me back up, she said, um, we're going to have to do emergency surgery, she said, I couldn't, I couldn't even do the DNC because a big fibroid fell, and if I would have touched it, she was like, you would have died, and so uh, I signed the paperwork to do the emergency surgery, so they had to pause for a second, 
Mm-hmm. When, this is 2011, you said. Mm-hmm. So how old are your kids? You've got little kids. Yes. Single uh, mom and signing this paperwork, you mean you understand mm-hmm. that you might not make it out of the surgery paperwork? Mm-hmm. Okay. I just want to make sure people understand what's what's happening here. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Yes. So my twins are three and my son is five. Mm. And, and so um, I signed the paperwork and uh, the next uh, day in the morning, they had to give me uh, two pints of blood. And then um, they took me down to surgery. The surgery was supposed to take like an hour, hour and a half. It ended up taking seven hours. Oh. And so um, they had to give me more blood. While I was in surgery, like three to five pints of blood they had to give me. And um, they did, she did the surgery. And then uh, when I came around, she came in and she said, I'm so thankful that you're still alive. She said, because we almost lost you. And uh, I said, I'm thankful too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thankful too. And then she gave me a hug and she joked with me. She said, Okay, now you owe me because I sweated out my hair. So I missed my hair appointment and my kids are standing on the curb. So I need to go pick them up. (laughs) (laughs) So there were that seven hour surgery to clean Mm -hmm. out the fibroids. They had to um, remove half of my uterus. Ah, so no more kids. No more kids. No. (laughs) How did that feel to have that taken you know, uh, I thought it was going to feel some type of way at first, but because it was necessary to save my life, I didn't right. feel any type of way, but grateful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you were a grateful soul because, um, you know, our, our, uh, uteruses for all the, the pain they cause us and the, uh, it is how we become moms and taking that away suddenly could be a very hard thing. So I'm glad you got your five beautiful kids here, you know, because yeah. you sure make cute ones. You know? <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So um, you, seven hours of cleaning and basically an emergency um, uterus um, hysterectomy. I'm like, what do they call it? I had one. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Um, and your recovery, I imagine, was pretty tough. How long were you out of work? So I was out of work uh, for six weeks and um, I couldn't do anything. Were you working for GM at the time? I was working for Delta at the time. And Delta was good to you? They were. um, But I'll book my next flight with Delta, even though I fly with Delta. (laughs) (laughs) They actually were. Now, let me rewind a little bit. The day before I was getting ready to have my surgery, I actually went to work and usually I was working at a, as a baggage handler at the time where you load the bags into the planes. And usually they will have me get in the bin, load the bags and stuff. But this day, the, cause I work with all males and you know, they was kind of. Yeah. And so you're prior weird. military. So you're like, don't tell me I can't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so this particular day, the supervisor says, I'm not going to have you load bags today. We have a, um, a mechanic here from Detroit, and he doesn't have a badge to get around the um, outside. So I want you to escort him everywhere that he needs to go today. 
had I load the planes that day, things uh-huh. probably would have been a bit different because um, that was the day that the fibroid fell and, and all of that. So yeah, that's strenuous. We're activity. talking about the threat of hemorrhaging because those little fibroids mm-hmm. attach onto, if I understand, I mean, I'm not a doctor here, but if I understand <laughs> they attach onto like nerves. And so when they rip away, you mm-hmm. can hemorrhage, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. I had a couple, but none of them fell out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now that I've had a hysterectomy, I can be glad that I will never see that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. oh. So God watched out for you that day. He and did. Delta wasn't poopy about being out for six weeks. Cause after you've had a hysterectomy, you can't lift for anything longer than six weeks so Mm -hmm. you went back to work for six weeks but you would have still been um compromised did they like give you altered duty instead of lifting I hope um when I got back I still had to load but I didn't have to do as much as I did before Um, okay so yeah they did work with me on that I apologize Um, for every bag that I have it's heavy because I have the (laughs) perks with delta and when i'm traveling for work i load them up with books if it's a speaking trip and if it's a makeup trick i trip Mm -hmm. i love trick i don't do i don't do trick i don't that's not part of my work um if that's a makeup trip i am loading it up with makeup so i am pushing that 70 pound limit you get with um being a platinum sky miles person yeah, so are so you one I'll, of those people who have to sit on their luggage and zip it up and stuff? And no, I just have a big bag. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to push down on it really hard, but I have one of those little hand things, mm-hmm. you know, that you can lift it up to see if it's um, overweight. Yes. Yeah. And then when I'm coming back from a trip, I'll be like, how much weight did I lose? Meaning how many books did I sell or how many pounds of makeup did I sell? And Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I know the success of my, my trip by how much weight I lost. <laughs> oh my heavens. What a crazy story. And I'm glad that your job was kind to you and you really have a story of resilience that, um, you know, for those that have not been able to see my friend's face, um, the whole entire time she's been telling these stories of having to deal and the whole entire time I've known you, you always have a smile on your face. You're always grateful and you could choose to have a poopy pants attitude, but you don't. And it makes me very thankful that I became your friend and that those Biscoff crowns, were, <laughs> as in not the things you color with, but were on your head, were made so that I could meet you. And I encourage those in the audience to, um, to reach out to people and, you know, say hi and smile at people and compliment people on their poodle or their crown or whatever, because you never know what kind of friendship can come from that. And the things that, um, I'm glad your kids are doing well, despite, um, the poopy pants, prejudice people. And, and, uh, that can have real impact when we, um, isolate somebody. So I'm really glad that your son is doing well because he is a bright boy and I'll continue to watch him on social media and, and cheer him on all the more so yes thank you thank you anything else you want to share with the audience before we have to wrap this up 
Yes, I just want to quickly say that while during the time that I was down and couldn't do anything, that my son, Delonzo, he took care of me, the twins, and my son, DJ. He did everything. He cooked, he cleaned, he made sure that they were taken care of, I was taken care of, and uh, I am so grateful for that. And he's like 25 right now, right? Right now, he just turned 30. 30, and he is single. Mm -hmm. He is single, but he, so, has a, he has a girlfriend. Oh, dang it. I was going to do a <laughs> shout out. Like if anyone um, is as impressed with Delonzo as I am and is around that age and single, <laughs> I happen to know his mom and I can introduce <laughs> you guys. <laughs> no, she's, she's like a daughter. I think she's a keeper. He's, he's okay. Well, if not, good. let me know. And then we'll just have a list ready. So uh, ladies submit your applications to be Delonzo's, um, if, if this doesn't work out with this young lady, which of course we always hope all things work out because mm-hmm. less heartbreak is good. Right. Yeah. yeah. We love her. She's like a daughter to me. So well, she's not sounds, sounds like she needs to be the one to like catch this catch. Cause he sounds mm-hmm. like an awesome young man and you're, you're amazing. Thank you. My friend for my friend Deshaun for being on this episode of share your hotness. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for sharing your miracle story. And I'm really glad you didn't die after a fibroid in the toilet because that is a bad way to go. (laughs) Yes. Ah, God is good. Yes, he is. The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.